Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are. Welcome to the Sage Sayers. I'm your show host, Debbie Gardner McCullough, DG McCullough. I'm a narrative coach, a communications coach, and a mental fitness coach from New Zealand based in the fine state of Wisconsin. In each episode, the Sage Sayers unpacks communications, tips, and strategies, and we interview interesting individuals from all around the world who found the gift, the opportunity, and even some knowledge in life's inevitable challenges. Season 4, Episode 1. Happy New Year, my dear listeners, and welcome back to the Sage Sayers. Reading this week from Medium, my title, How to Claim Successes, Trends, and Patterns when data is scant. Editors take data seriously when you're a reporter on social and business trends and struggles. I know because that became my beat as a reporter for global publications for years. We need data to quantify and qualify that the trend that we're writing on indeed exists. Data builds authority and trust in us, the reporter writing and telling that story, and the publication publishing our words. Job seekers and those on the rise within their org need data as well. Numbers and trends within those numbers quantify how we excel at our craft and trade. They become proof and help paint a story, a vision of success we can bring our future employer or team. But at least 50% of the coaches I coach struggle here because not enough time has passed to show the results. Perhaps the project or the product got torpedoed, which happens a lot. Or results from our work remain downright ambiguous. That's what we're unpacking in this week's post and on how to quantify trends, patterns and successes when no hard data exists. Here come tips and tactics journalists and reporters use which I've personally used, and which translate beautifully in business. Tip one, explain the absence of numbers. When data is patchy, but you know the trend or the phenomena exists, transparency must prevail. In writing on those quirky social trends, which I did thousands of times over for global news audiences, data hardly existed. For instance, when writing on professional men and women, by that I mean white-collared business professionals, buying and then souping up golf carts as a hobby, nobody reported data on such an obscure and bizarre trend. But I knew the trend existed. I saw it all around me in Arizona, where I was based at the time, and where I reported on this trend for The Economist. To explain that absence of numbers, you might say, While nobody's tracking the numbers yet, because the trend is so new, or results remain unquantifiable, the project lost funding like most that year, or confidentiality prevents me from sharing any numbers, but I can speak to X. Tip two, draw on anecdotal evidence. Encountering what you don't know, you can speak with authority to what you do know and claim that as your truth. 
And that above example on the nation getting into souping up golf carts of all things, I spoke to some of the major manufacturers and asked what they were seeing. I also observed listings on Craigslist, which is where my husband, Colby, bought his first souped up golf cart and noticed when things sold fast. I reached out to a couple of sellers and asked them how things were going and learned a lot from that. So here are those earlier examples combining these two techniques. While nobody's tracking the numbers yet, the trend is so new. Vendors selling those golf carts report at least a 30% uptick on sales from last year. Meanwhile, Craigslist sales on these items are through the roof with postings reporting as selling within an hour. Here's another. Results remain unquantifiable. The project lost funding like most that year. But initial momentum and stakeholder feedback repositioned our team in exciting ways. We doubled our size. Tip three, do your own survey. We can also survey those we interview to bring in our own data. And I alluded to this in the earlier point, but there's a real substantial point here. A couple of examples to illustrate. When reporting on members of the FLDS leaving Warren Jeff's polygamous sect in Utah, USA, I asked the state investigator what percentage of the sect members had left, and together we could do the math. Separately, when reporting on a Catholic priest in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania getting excommunicated, I learned from reaching out to the International Catholic Diocese that this became the 12th formal excommunication case globally, a much bigger deal than Pittsburgh's media had reported. I surveyed by asking the international group how often we'd seen this before. Only then I knew this one isolated case had bigger, more epic impact and meaning. Tip 4. Position your work and findings within the industry data. And this tip's really powerful for the business communicators I coach and serve. We can pull from that industry data, stating how our work aligns or does not align with favorable or unfavorable market trends. This step for business communicators can liberate and empower, bringing a whole new meaning and confidence to our work and catapulting our personal brand in positive, exciting ways. A small but potentially powerful story illustrates. One professional life coach sought a new external role. When we discovered through coaching and discovery that he sat within the favorable data of project managers by having always worked on projects that finished on time, the results became powerful. He shared that data in his bio, his resume, and in thought leadership pieces from the same reputable industry 2023 report which showed the rarity of projects finishing within budget and on time, only around 30%. He stayed careful and non-bragging to avoid claiming that that success was his alone. The wording resembled something like, I've had the good fortune and pride of working within excellent teams whose projects have always finished on time. 
not only did this tactic build his confidence in an otherwise vulnerable, disheartening time, his visibility grew. He shifted from no responses from recruiters and hiring managers to a cluster and is progressing super well now with several leads. Final and fifth tip and tactic, at least for this post. Choose data strategically and stay factual. To use industry data like this example, follow the cues of reliable and well-trained reporters, and there are a few. You want to find the industry reports from the best, most well-respected think tanks, non-profits, trade organizations, and consulting houses like Gallup, Gartner, and any trade group that you and your industry admire. Avoid self-serving or marketing data that serves the researchers versus the community and the industry. You can look to the sample size for clues. Back out of anything that smacks of obvious bias. You can think analytically on how this data serves you and your story, but also your industry and future team or employer. In that earlier example, of course employers want their projects to finish on time. It's much more successful, much more profitable, and helps with their overall brand and productivity. So get creative, but not outlandish here. Try not to stretch to avoid diluting your story and credibility. And in the final piece, cherry pick the data and learn from it. By that I mean choose one to three data points or just one excellent data point and let your instinct serve you on which one to choose. In my earlier example, my client felt genuinely startled that only a third of projects end on time. He then felt impressed and proud and could draw lessons from what he and his fellow teammates and managers had done so well. I love data and felt confident in gaining data from reputable, unbiased sources when I reported and wrote on trends and struggles. And yet I still felt confident sharing my own numbers, provided I'd done the legwork, observed and spoken to enough people. We can do the same in business. The key becomes knowing the topic well, noticing and staying transparent to what you do and don't know. Also, stay confident here. Manage and coach on any fear coming up of overselling or offending someone. Think of an external audience first before an internal one and empower yourself by sticking to the facts, just the facts, which become your safe zone. You've been listening to DG McCullough with The Sage Sayers, a podcast on business communications and mental fitness, finding the sage approach to life's challenges. If you'd like to coach and train with me on any communication or life challenge, visit my website, hangingrockcoaching.com or find me on LinkedIn with the hashtag BraveCommunicators. Both links you'll find within the show notes. I want to thank my producer, Doton, for his elegant edits, making these episodes beautiful in ways far beyond my skills. You can find Doton on Fiverr under Titan32. And thank you to my coaches all over the globe who spark creative ideas for each episode. Thanks for listening. Bye for now.